Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, and welcome to the Windermere Coaching Minute. Uh, this is our weekly podcast where we talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. And in each one of our episodes, we like to have you walk away with an idea of how we might raise the professionalism of our industry and how we might serve our clients better. And today, I'm thrilled to have David Hogan and Tracy Gillette. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I'm well. Well, for our listeners out there, uh, I'll just give a brief description and then I'll let both of you kind of talk a little bit about who you are and uh, where you're located. But we have David Hogan, who is with us, and he uh, works the King County market. Uh, For those of you that might not be from Washington State, that is in Washington State, uh, you might be familiar with Seattle area. And he's been in the market since 2000 or in the real estate since 2011. And we have Tracy, who's in the Whatcom County area, uh, more familiar, maybe Bellingham. You might heard of that north part of Washington, bordering on uh, the border of Canada, specifically um, Vancouver. And uh, she's been in the business 2013. And today we're going to talk about when you're working with sellers about how you prepare them to make sure that they net the most in this marketplace by doing what's called a listing launch, if you will, or just listing prep. But um, David, anything you want to say about your area or, or kind of maybe just give us a little synopsis of what's happening in King County, just so the listeners can understand that there has been a shift. Yeah, there there definitely has. We work both the Seattle market and it's known as the East Side kind of Bellevue Kirkland market. And um Seattle market is not shifting as much as the East Side market is, but it it didn't go up as high. So it's not coming down as quickly either. So that one's holding a little bit stronger. Um, but I think actually we're through most a lot of the shift that's happening and starting to see quite a bit of stabilization and we'll see how long it takes to continue to move forward. But I'm still really bullish about real estate in our area and Tracy's area too. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say that, um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh my gosh, we're declining and it's, I, we're, we're slowing appreciation. So we still seeing appreciation and we're just, there's a shift that would you say there's a shift from the seller power to maybe the buyer power, which is why today's topic is probably really important to consider to make sure that we're still doing the best we can in the market so that sellers can still take advantage of the opportunity. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And Tracy, how about you? Whatcom County, what's going on? Yeah, it's funny. I actually just did a social media post last night about how decelerating home prices doesn't equal depreciating home prices. And um it, I did a lot of research when I was wanting to write about this and 
some of what I found was pretty fascinating. Um, I mean, just to sum it up, uh, at the end of July, Whatcom County's average sold price was down 6.3% compared to June, but we're actually still up 9.6% compared to last year. Right. So it's like really delving into perspective in that, yeah, if you look month by month, we probably are coming down a little bit and stabilizing back to uh, a market that is healthier. Um, but, you know, average appreciation is typically three to 5% in, in a market a year. So we are still sitting real pretty with that almost 10% appreciation since July of last year. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I think that's a good perspective because a lot of people don't get that perspective. They look at the news and the news says, oh my gosh, we're coming up on a recession. We're going to have another housing bubble. And the reality of it is we have slowing appreciation. And I would say that, I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but I have a lot of agents that, are, that have been through one of these scenarios before, as the two of you have, that says, hey, we can actually breathe a little bit. We can get back to normally, normally how we do business, right? Yeah, what a concept. <laughs> and also like looking for the, this is creating massive opportunities for people that have been waiting for it. So, right. you know, we were encouraged, you know, there's some, there may be some fear involved in doing that, but I think a lot of that now is even gone and it's, there's just opportunity to move and free up movement which is what we've been lacking for three years exactly exactly so let's talk about this for a second so as as just to kind of set the stage you know a lot of people say well what do you think my house is worth and we all know that uh real estate agents don't set the price the market does and the market is what a buyer is willing to pay and what a seller is willing to accept so to speak um but that has a lot to do on we call the the what we call the five areas of value right so price condition uh, amenities, location, and size. And out of those five, there's two we really can control, which are price and condition. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yep. <laughs> so with that said, right, if I'm sitting there with a seller and I'm getting ready to list their home, there's some things that we can do to get a higher price is really based on condition. And I think uh, in the in the past, we've, we saw a lot of listing agents uh, that were bringing on homes that because it was going to sell so quickly, uh, they were cutting corners and not doing a few things. And because, oh my gosh, we're just going to get multiple offers. And um, would you guys agree you could still leave money on the table in the market that we just came out of? Totally. Yeah. Right. And for those listing, what that means is that the sellers think that, oh my gosh, we got multiple offers, so we did the best. But where was the quality and how well did that agent prepare their home? Because homes are products, right? It's a product. It's like anything else. It's like you're going to sell a car, you're going to probably make it look nice. You're going to sell anything, you're going to, to get a higher price, you make it look nice. So the two of you, what I want to talk about today is you both have some really good listing launches or listing preparation uh, checklist and processes that you do all the time that really benefit your seller. And what I'd love to do is kind of dive into that and kind of have you guys explain it. And then I want to talk about the tertiary benefits that happen from you doing that, not just so much as it's benefiting the seller, but what are the other things that come from you doing that, we kind of talk through those. That sound good? Sounds great. Okay, so who would like to go first? Kind of just walk us through kind of if, if you're going to get a listing, what are the things or what are your checklists? What are you doing to really help that seller really to leverage and do the best they can in the market that they're in? Yeah, sure. I think we should probably preface with David 
and I actually met at a ninja installation in 2013. And uh, we had a mutual friend then. And so we felt probably more connected than just any rat, any random agent that you'd meet at an event like that. But um, David has been a role model um, for me and my business and always one of my biggest supporters as my business has grown. And um, I just appreciate having his business model to look towards, but now we collaborate a ton and, um, you know, bounce ideas off of each other, which is she's way too kind. And she's acting like she doesn't have an amazing business herself. <laughs> really <laughs> down, so. Well, it is imperative. Well, will get you everywhere. Isn't that what uh, it is? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the collaboration I think is really, you know, my main point is that yeah. don't first off, don't just lean on, on your own, expertise you know you have a team of people around you and that's sort of the first step is um you know making sure that you're meeting with your seller to go through what are the things that you can recognize that are going to become an issue with buyers and trying to eliminate as many of those as possible um and i have a a pretty extensive checklist that I use and, you know, not every seller is willing to do everything right, David. And, um, you know, so you, you encourage them to do as, as much as they're willing. And sometimes we, as agents might even step up if there's something really critical that we believe is going to hinder a sale, um, might incorporate that into our, our business plan for, for that listing. Um, and, you know, back to the collaborating piece is having really good relationships with vendors, being the person that coordinates the work is huge. Sellers are more willing to do things if you're willing to take the work out of it for them, for the most part. Would you agree, David? Yeah. And especially, you know, whether they're there and they've got kids and they're trying to move up or they've, we both do a lot of their people are gone like they're out like this they've turned the keys it's very give me the keys and we'll do the rest and we'll you know keep you updated on everything and then it'll be listed and I think that's the value add but I also feel like if you're not doing those things we're not wholly earning we make we make a good living so we have to prove that and I think that initial proof in value is way before the listing goes on yeah, and I and I will reiterate that the, the two of you is you know I just wrote down here a little note. What's better than free is easy, and um, I think that you know so many times agents cheap out because they think, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to lose any money on this because I'm I'm already giving them a discount, and I don't want to lose any money on this, so I'm not going to do any of these things. And so then the seller has to do all those things, even if they decide they want to do them. But the fact that you're saying you're substantiating your value and getting paid well for it, but the whole idea is that you make it easy. I mean, it's stress-free, meaning that I can, I know that I can trust you. If there's things that are going to get done, you're going to orchestrate it. You're going to help me with it and you're going to communicate it to me. And that has value. And I think that so many times we forget that that's really what clients are looking for. I mean, I'm busy, you know, I know in the homes that I've sold, I want to make sure I don't have time to do all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I want you to let me know if I need to pay or, or, put put an investment in on my side of it but my gosh if you run it for me that's terrific so give me so let's just kind of go like you know from a to z so i we start off what are some of the things you do tracy uh right and david that uh, you set the set the 
the tone of here's what we're going to do and here's the things that you should expect the timing and what we're going to do and how do you how do you get them to understand it's going to create value yeah i think even just stepping back and saying well what tools do i use to keep this process organized mm -hmm. and um so there's two that are very first and foremost in the consultation process alongside just my listing consultation sheet that I use to guide conversation and talk about value. Um, and one of them is a listing prep checklist. So I have a template in Canva and after the listing consultation, um, either myself or my assistant has taken pretty thorough notes on the things that we've talked about that would be priority to be done as far as work that needs to be done to prep the home. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that gets transposed, all the notes get transposed into a pretty little sheet that then gets shared with the client. And sometimes it's listed in like by priority. These are the things that we really need to make sure we do. And then things at the bottom that are a little bit more nitpicky along with that being sent to them um, are sometimes contractor recommendations or referrals. I also have a vendor list on my website that I keep updated um, all the time with who I would recommend for flooring install or window cleaning, all of those things so that they can go there too. Some sellers want to be in control of who right. and process. Yeah, and for so, sure. um, I'll certainly let them do that, but making sure that they're connected to the quality vendors that I know are going to serve us both well. So having that uh, list organized in a way that is going to keep everybody on the same page, I think is really important. And then secondarily, um, at the same time, producing a listing timeline. So this is what we talked about for our goal list date. And then we work backwards. This is the work that needs to be done. And so if, you know, the very last thing that needs to happen is staging before that's cleaning, before that's window cleaning, carpet cleaning, you know, and, and working backwards to create right. a timeline that seems like it'll work for everyone. And then, you know, creating that in also a Canva template that is pretty to look at. Everybody likes it when it is organized nicely and they can print it and put it on their fridge or wherever. Um, so getting those tools to them, keeping everybody on the same page. Um, I know most agents don't do those things. So it sets you apart immediately. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you, David? Similar type. Mine's, of yeah, mine's in Excel, so it's probably not as pretty as Tracy's, but <laughs> gets the job done. Uh, and a lot of that's just because we've based our team in Excel, so it just it works for us, and we have a version, a team version that we see on the back end, and then a client facing version. But it's all done in you know similar documents, right? And yeah, it starts with you know. It differentiates who's doing what and and then basically works backwards but it's um I, I found the working backwards is easier because the seller is only focused on the date it's listed and and also the date they're moving <laughs> like right. i'm we're doing one right now and we're getting a little creative because she her pain point is not moving twice like moving her stuff twice. Right. And so we're solving for that, you know, in a variety of different ways that may not be traditional staging and the whole thing, but we're going to make it work and it's going to be great for her. Um, so being flexible to add and subtract things on the, the boilerplate checklist 
to go, this is all that you need to know about for your specific sale. And this may be really different than it was for your last sale when you were living there, you know, and now this new house you're selling is we're going to full stage it. And it's going to be a different set of things that you're going to see. Um, but this really started, I, I think, from us needing to be organized because I can't keep all that in my brain, assuming you have four to five listings prepped at a time, whatever that looks like is difficult. So keeps us on track. And then it was like, well, we're going to share it with the clients and they can write in it and do things in it and keep each other. People love it. Um, and it's flexible to move around. And then we basically go, you know, light bulbs, power washing, all the, the guts of it down to, um, what's my version of what am I doing on the listing side, like the day ahead, the day of the listing, and then eventually transferring it over to the transaction coordination checklist, which is, they never see any of that. That's none of that's client facing except for the pretty stuff that they get. But the, the documents sync enough on our side that it works really well. One, one question for you. Do you have, do you have a checklist that's their responsibility of things and a timeline that they need to take care of so that they have a clarity on, on like, like what, okay. So like, you know, you, you meet with me and you go, okay, Michael, we're going to list your house and here's all the things, by the way, there's these three or four things that you have, you have said that you're going to do. And here's kind of the timeline of when we need those completed. Yeah. I mean, mine's pretty, it's just, it's like to do, then it's date time and then questions or comments. And the questions and comments section is basically, who's doing what, or I'll use that to go, there's a bit out, but we don't have it back yet. Right. Cause you don't want to lose those either. Cause they go in la la land, you know, with vendors. <laughs> and so um, it's pretty straightforward. It, you just need something and the clients need something. Cause they're also coordinating the, the move. They're coordinating new schools. They're coordinating all the new job stuff. They have this, all this other stuff that they don't talk to us about really. Right. And so the things that we need to work on together has to be very clear. Yeah, agree. <laughs> Otherwise, nothing would ever be on time. I don't know how anyone would do anything on time. Right. Really. Well, and I think if you look at the when they when they surveyed buyers and sellers, I mean, sellers specifically, I think one of the top things they said was they don't want any surprises. They want to hit deadlines and not have surprises. And uh, and I think, you know, and I love the fact that having a checklist um, you guys are speaking my language. I mean, the book, I think what's checklist manifesto by a tool Gawande, you know, he talks about, you know, the mm -hmm. power of clarity and the power of value is you got to have checklists because we don't have checklists. Things fall through the cracks. And once things fall through the cracks, we have surprises and we don't hit deadlines. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you've got the checklist, you go through that. What, uh, kind of walk me through. So what, what are some other things? I mean, what about when there's things that have to get done on the home? Uh, how are you helping them understand what needs to get done or, or why it needs to get done? I think, Go, Tracy. Well, I was just going to say kind of the power of pre-inspecting a listing too. Um, I've always been an advocate of having a seller procured pre-listing inspection. Mm -hmm. um, and of course that has to be disclosed with a seller's disclosure statement. So um, a lot of sellers have to be talked down from the fact that, well, I'm going to learn something that I don't want to know, but the truth of the matter is, is having that knowledge keeps you in power of negotiations and you have the power to correct it before you list if you want to. Um, whereas the opposite effect would be to get really beat up on an inspection. And that's the market we're going back into. Yes. Um, I've had so much fun negotiating inspections these last few weeks. <laughs> it's fun to beat people up. I forgot what it was like. 
Yeah, I, I laughed. I think uh, I think it was Peter Hickey that stood in front of his office uh, a couple weeks ago and said, "I want to introduce all of you to a 35R." And mm-hmm. then everybody, everybody kind of laughed, right? Well, the amount of people in the business that literally, I mean, they know what it is, but they don't know how to use it. Right. And it's not their fault. They they just, we're okay. in a totally different market than we've been in. And yeah, adjustment there. Totally. <laughs> I had a listing this week that the seller was very hesitant to do a pre-inspection. And um, I did talk him into it. And there was some stuff, there was some not great, so some not so great stuff on there. House was built in 1895. So there's lots of old home stuff. If any um, house needs an inspection, it's an 1895. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> guess what? We listed on Monday. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I received an offer in the middle of the day. And I followed up with all of the rest of the showings and ended up getting another offer last night. And guaranteed neither of them would have waived inspection had we have not pre-inspected. Right. And we ended up escalating even in this market that you can't guarantee, um, you know, more than one offer and the seller's ecstatic. And it, I know it's because we pre-inspected. The reason I brought that up is, you know, pre-inspecting then leads to what work actually really needs to be done. Right. Because it's not only about making it pretty, it's also about easing buyer fears, right? You want to attract as many buyers as you can. And if, if a buyer is going to be concerned about anavid beetles, you got to re- alleviate that concern if it's a problem and you don't even know about it. Well, and I think for our listeners that haven't been in real estate or people that are fairly new to real estate, <laughs> if you take a look at a real estate transaction. Uh, the seller has all the power prior to an offer. Would you guys agree? Yes. And then as soon as an offer comes in, the power shifts to the buyer and the contracts that we use, which how long are the contracts and how long is the purchase sale agreement contract now? How many page or a listing contract? Well, listing contracts are super short. Purchase and sales depend on how many contingencies there there are. But most of the contracts, uh, the uh, the purchase sale contracts are written with the intent that the buyer can get out. Yes. Right. And so if we're not doing a pre-inspection, this should help people kind of understand if we're not doing a pre-inspection, then there's all these friction points that are going to show up that I give the buyers more amount. You are in a power, more power position. Like you said, the more you know, the more power you're going to have to eliminate some of those items where the where the buyer can step away because now we've taken those off the table. And I think that's that's the biggest piece that helping sellers understand is, okay, you want to list and then have surprises and then give all the negotiating over the buyer? Or do you want to know what it is? And if a buyer even says they're going to fix it, I mean, they want to pay what? Top of the market to fix it. I know I had that situation in a, in a sewer scope and uh, my agent at the time said, well, we can fix it today or you can wait and let the buyers find it. And then guess what? They're going to want to replace all of this, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to be in their negotiation. So you decide, you want to be in control today or you want to turn the control over to the buyers? Yeah, totally. And had we have not pre-inspected, not only would we have received an offer with an inspection, but they would have beat us up. Yeah, I hope hope they never go away. Like I I admittedly was not a broker that did them prior to whatever, five years ago or six years ago, probably was when, and Windermere really started it. I mean, it was kind of a way of differentiating in an accelerating market. And then of course it became the norm. I hope they stay around forever. I just think the value add in them is incredible on both sides. And even if we go like, we're not in a, I mean, we're in a, 
more balanced market, but we're not in a buyer's market. But even if we totally shifted to buyers are in complete control, at least the seller is aware of the things they're going to find. And there's a lot of, I think it takes a lot of the fear away of going, what are they, what, what's going to happen? What are they going to find? You already know what they're going to find. <laughs> And negotiate around it if you had to. But right now we're finding if you're providing it, buyers are still accepting them as long as they're from obviously a very reputable, good inspection company. And it eliminates a lot of what ifs down the road. Totally. And that's just the like structural uh, health and safety issue type stuff. But there's also an element of preparing for a market that is aesthetic too, right? And David, I don't know if you want to talk about your your process to, you know, determining what gets staged, what doesn't. Yeah. Like pretty things need to be changed. Yeah, I was going to say stuff, the pretty like stuff. Staging, and I'd love to talk, you know, just photos and that type of piece. So like, you know, staging's a big deal, right? Staging's huge. And I, I either, there's staging involved on some level on everything. The preference, of course, is full stage, clients already bought their house you're doing you know you're redoing all the floors you're doing the paint you're doing all the basic things and then staging it but even in a home that is especially as we're going into a market where a lot of people are not going to be gone yet before they go by um to bring your stager as as a consult is super valuable i think there's also different ways we can bring in fluff and very basic things that have high impact for photos and are not a full $5,000, $6,000 stage, whatever it is. And so um, bang for your buck on staging is is huge. And then I really look at all of it as depending on the price point of the home and who the buyer is going to be as like category A, B, and C. So these are the must do's. These are the big ticket ones. Um, I also look at things that are, what can we do that's not structural? Because those things eliminate seller risk in terms of time and money in prepping because it sounds easy to say open up the wall and everyone will love it but that (laughs) that may be a four-month project and that may be a hundred thousand dollars instead of ten thousand dollars that we're going to like put in new counters and tile you know um so i try to be really strategic in those conversations to go here's our timeline and they're all based in what the market's doing but the priority is what's the seller's pain in this process and and when can we try to solve it based on time and if i know i can do x y and z projects that take two weeks and i can get 90 percent of the value out of it instead of taking a month to do the other little bit then that's what i want to make sure that we do focus on yeah yeah and as the market changes um i actually had a new agent reach out to me yesterday and she said are you still going to be incorporating staging into your business plan and I thought, uh, yeah, if there's any time to have staging, it's now. Um, when buyers have a choice of homes, you want your listing to stand out. Right. Yeah. And, you know, staging oftentimes is the difference between, you know, from what what you can tell online, of course, photography first and foremost, yeah. but you know, if a, a buyer is going to see two homes that are, they're interested in both, the difference is going to be made in the staging, both online and when they show up and see how it, how it feels and how it flows and it's, you know, highest and best use for furniture placement that is done by a professional. Would you agree, David? 
Yeah, 100%. And well, it's amazing how someone will say, I don't like this house, but I like this house. And I'm like, well, the unstaged one is actually better for you in all these different ways that you said, but they don't like it. And it's, it's classic. I mean, it's, it's classic. Well, and I think you guys bring up a good point. You know, when we think about, you know, you go into a department store uh, or you like go into, um, I could think about buy my house as you village and you go into restoration hardware, you go into one of these places and you look at how they set they set the table, so to speak, right? It's, it's So it's open to as many possibilities for people to have an imagination of what they want. And I think that a lot of times we have uh, we have sellers who don't understand, hey, when, when a buyer looks at your house online or when they walk into your house, you know, you may love it, but the whole concept is there's going to be things they're going to pass judgment on. And that's why a staging consultation or staging, they know what they're doing to appeal to a wider audience. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when we appeal to a wire audience, we cast a much bigger net and we get um, our home is in the running versus, you know, the uniqueness or, hey, I love the fact that I had a red wall and we just love to have these. You know, you look at some I mean, I look at some photos of homes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, how many people is that pushing away as opposed to pulling in? And so um, there's a lot to be said about that, but I think that uh, being able to articulate it now, how do you demonstrate it? Do you guys have before and after shots or things that help to help visually to, for your sellers to have an understanding of why we stage? We do. Yeah. Like I use um, present for that, which is easy to just do before and afters. And um, you know, you can always reference an old listing to say by the, here's your staging will look similar in style to this, you know? And so um, as long as it's with the same stager or a similar stager. So that is great. But the, the difference in just vacant houses, they just don't show, they don't show. Right. Well. <laughs> yeah. And I don't give my clients a choice. Um, like David said, there's always some level of staging in every single one of my listings. And, you know, for, for a certain price point home, as long as the what's inside is minimalistic, you don't necessarily need to bring in a full stage if you do the fluffing like David talked about. And I don't give them a choice for that. It's just built into the calendar that, you know, the day before photography, I come in with all my bedding and, you know, my wall hangings or whatever it is that, you know, I keep a stock of basic stuff that I do myself because it's fun for me. Um, and it makes a huge difference when I make a bed. <laughs> yeah, right. So so kind of looking at this, we have clear clear and easy checklists uh, prep uh, that both sets kind of sets the uh, uh, the table for the, the sellers to know what they're going to do and what and so they're clear on what you're going to do. You do uh, inspections to make sure that we're removing the friction points on a negotiation and we're in control, seller in a power position staging making sure that we're putting the home in the best light and let's talk about videos and photos uh what are you doing there what's that i mean and and setting that up and and making sure that uh, it's it's showing up great online well always professional photography yep definitely no question there um i try to incorporate videography as as much as possible uh i have come to realize that authentic, uh, candid opportunities for video are, are more often more time, more engaged with than professionally produced video. Mm -hmm. Um, of course there are certain listings that command, uh, 
a lifestyle type video in order to help tell the story and, and sell the home. That's a totally different case, but, um, I incorporate video always, whether it's just in my, uh, stories behind the scenes on, on social media. Um, I almost always do a live walkthrough video on social media too, where, um, it's usually the morning that I list the home. I go to the home and walk whoever's watching on social media um, through the house live and point out the things that I love and tell them about it. Um, but then that gets saved onto my page. And I've had many times where an agent has reached out to me with their client that's about to write an offer and said, my client watched your tour. Mm-hmm. And it becomes valuable to the buyer. It obviously created exposure, but the buyer's agent appreciates it too. <laughs> Absolutely. And Tracy does, a, I mean, your social is great and your authentic candid is a great word. I think there's movement towards unproduced and you do a great job of that in a variety of mediums. So your sellers are fortunate to have that. Um, I don't do a ton of like, I mean, it depends on the listing. I, I'm not one, I'm not a proponent of every listing gets every type of video and shot there is because I don't think it's necessary and it has nothing to do with the cost of it. It just becomes, why does this listing have this? For example, you know, I just, I just, I don't believe in that, but um, the walkthroughs and the, the kind of open nature about what it's actually really like to live there. I think that is is vital now. And it all started with COVID. And then now it's like almost an expectation of, well, what's it like to be there, you know, mm-hmm. and how do you portray that to totally. a buyer or a listing broker or in an email that gets sent to clients about what's coming. I mean, the amount of business we've gotten from that kind of things that people don't even know. We have a lot of buyers right now that they don't even know they're looking. Um, they're kind of looking. And I think with inventory going up, it's creating these buyers, their ability to move. And so whatever we're doing prep wise to make these listings look great is going to make somebody move that maybe doesn't need to move. Right. Uh, And that's really, I find it fascinating right now, like why people are moving and totally shifting lifestyles. And it's like, we have to be prepared with everything that's going out in the world because those are the people that are looking at it. Yeah, totally. Well, I think Larry, you know, Larry even says, you know, you've got to make that home, make the cut. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and virtual viewings is where everybody starts, whether they're thinking about buying or not. It's amazing how many people, you know, just eye candy going and looking at homes. And, uh, and I had a question the other day, somebody said, and you guys, I don't know if you have an answer to this. Somebody said, what's too many photos? Is there, is there oh. a such thing as too many photos? I and, have a very opinionated answer. I'd love to hear it, David. I'd love to hear it. I tell my photographer, she probably hates me. <laughs> I, I, I probably, if she takes 40, which is rare, that's what's allowed. So for different areas are different, but 40 are allowed. I find it terribly annoying to go through 40 photos that are not necessary. I am a minimalist person. If you haven't figured it out, I'm a minimalist person by nature. So I streamline everything and I want people to interact in a way that's simple to do that, whatever that looks like for people. And I think scrolling through a million photos of a bathroom is just not necessary. So I will, if she takes that many, I don't use that many. Um, And I will tell a seller, hey, you're getting 40 photos like this house is really something for me (laughs) because (laughs) I purposefully eliminate photos. (laughs) 
not only that, but how they're presented too. So there's nothing more frustrating to me when I click into a listing and I have to click through eight exterior photos before I can even see the inside. That drives me insane. Right. I, you know, I want to see the front of your house and how you get inside. And then I want to go in. So take me inside. Um, and then again, like, yeah, just like eight angles of one space. If you have a small home that doesn't have eight angles to show in a bedroom, two's enough. Two's enough. Um, one, one question I was going to ask, do you guys do any like little surprise and delight things for the sellers through that process of the prep? Um, I know that uh, I, I was talking to an agent the other day and they just, they send boxes and tape, you know, to help the sellers kind of get prepared to move. Is there any, anything you guys are doing in that, in that realm inside your, you know, just to have that uh, sense of value add to your client? Um, I, I was actually going to first say, maybe before we even get into that, when with this shifting market and home staying on the market longer, you will have a lot of value to your client, not only in communicating the listing prep checklist and the listing timeline, but also what are we going to do with all this? Once we're listed, what can you expect? So, you know, if we're, we're paying for staging and professional photography and you're doing videography and all of these things, how do they know that it, how it's benefiting them? So I have actually taken over a couple of listings since the market has shifted because the listing agents have not communicated with the sellers what they're doing to sell their home. Right. They don't understand why their home hasn't sold. They have no idea who's looking at it. So getting back to the basics of communicating every Monday morning for me, I have a, a listing update and it's pulls all the data from all of the sources for marketing. So how many views did you get on Facebook that week? How many views did you get on Instagram that week? And that's from whatever posts or promoting I've done. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also, you know, how many searches match your, how many buyer searches in the Northwest MLS match your, your listing? And how many of those searches had someone who marked them with a heart? And I followed up with those agents and this is what they said about why they haven't seen it. You know, those types of, of right. communication is going to be huge when your listing's sitting on the market and you might not even be having showings. So you need to show them what it's doing elsewhere. Well, and I also think that's critical too, as the market, <laughs> you have to make adjustments. It gives them information to help them make a clear understanding of what the adjustment might be based on your recommendation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're not continuing to get views and engagement, there's a problem at some there's point. There's a problem. The market, I love it. I think Larry says the market's going to speak to us. The question is, are you willing to listen? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it, Tracy's probably in the same boat as us, is like, if we've gotten these houses to what we feel the condition needed to be prior, then that you're not talking about replacing that carpet three weeks in. Mm -hmm. and and because unfortunately it has no impact when it's replaced three weeks in, it, it's too right. late at that point. And so um, then you're having a discussion on, do you want to wait this out? Do you want to lower the price? Whatever. Because again, we can only manipulate so many factors and we've already taken care of the condition one. Right. Mm -hmm. In the in the best way we know, barring complete gut job remodel or something, something major, you know, we've done what we think we can do. And then 
we're letting the market speak. And hopefully those things that we're picking and choosing for the sellers or our people are responding to them in a positive way. But if they're not, then maybe it is price, you know? Well, and I think, I think the true professionals like the two of you, you also understand and you know a uh, high return on value, right? So, or, or high return on work. So what are the things that give us the highest return? What are the things that we probably don't have to do? And the question is, are the sellers willing to listen? Because I, I, I've also run into where sellers know best. Sure. Right. And then that, that becomes difficult. So I think to my point to this is for the listeners that are out there, if you are in that world of, of being a seller, you know, one, hire a professional that does this on a regular basis that has really, really good numbers and batting averages, right? And ask those questions. You know, how many listings have you had? What's your average days on market? What's your list to sell ratios? And look for those quality real estate agents and then listen to their advice. They're going to give you a process and a system. You still get to make the decisions but listen to them because they know what they're doing, right? That's, that's, that's what you guys do for a living. It's like yeah. me going to the doctor. The doctor says, well, Michael, I think we really need to do this. I go, I, I know that's what you say, but you know what? I was on WebMD and I read something totally different. I think we're going to go with this approach first and then we'll see how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it doesn't work out well. And then I go back to where I was supposed to be. So that's just my point is that, you know, you guys know what you're doing. You have processes and systems because they've proven results. Would yep. you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, to go back to your question about surprise and delight and just like making the experience special, I think first off, first and foremost is just communication. And that's kind of what I was going with, with providing information after you're active, but, um, you know, checking in with them on a regular basis, telling them when you're going to check in with them too. Like, I'm going to check on you next week and see how you're doing on this list. And, you know, if we're not at a point where we feel like we should be, maybe we need to adjust our timeline or maybe I need to help more. Right. Um, uh, oftentimes after a listing consultation, I will send flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of depends on, on the situation. Uh, for my families that I work with, if they are moving, um, whether they're going to be my buyers or they're moving out of state, um, I always either deliver or mail when they're my buyers moving here um, to the kids. There's some really good children's books on moving and um, like helping them start to process the fact that they're going to be changing homes. And for, you know, for kiddos, that means like most of the time they're just scared about their stuff. They don't even really understand what it means to, to live in a different space. So, you know, the books talk to kids in a way to help them understand what they can expect and uh, people Really appreciate. Absolutely. That's great. Um, I'm trying to think of what anything else that I do. I do a moving care package. Um, and for sellers, it would be, you know, as they're preparing to move. Usually it's before they close, though, if they're still living there, it's not a part of the listing process. Got it. Yeah, that's the same, same with us. What do you do, David? Well, it was, it's not a really, it would be probably good to send some boxes to pack half your, you know, what away, but uh, <laughs> we don't do that. But now maybe we will, it's more after the fact. And then, you know, if a seller likes the photos or the staging, I had to be really careful about this one. Cause some, some sellers are, they let the process go, but they don't love the way their house looks necessarily. It's, they know it's the right thing to do, but it's, it looks and feels very different than when they were there. Um, yes. If they like it, then to do a book with the nice photos and send it to them. I think that's really yeah, like a, a, a coffee table book that they had their memories in, right? 
Yeah. yeah. I fully yeah. done it for a client that hated it. And I was like, I'll never do that again. Like, oh, interesting. I just didn't think they didn't, I didn't think they were as right about not, not yeah, like they really didn't. I mean, but it worked. They were so happy with the outcome and that was where they left it, but they yeah. didn't look at it. Like, yeah. And then I actually have a local um, watercolor artist that will paint an image of a home for sellers if it was a sentimental home. So like if, you know, if it was a home that somebody raised their family in or something like that, I always have it painted. Right. Yep. So a couple things on this. So um, kind of wrap this up just to kind of for our listeners is one. So just the things we talked about so far. So checklists. Uh, being understanding that uh, inspections are a huge deal. Staging, very, 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 very important. Uh, great videos, um, a limit on videos. Don't overdo it. Make sure it's showing the best part of the house. There's there's a reason why we put them in a certain order to kind of flow. So the people viewing them online kind of walk through the home, so to speak. Uh, surprise and delight, phenomenal communication. So think about this. So the, the, the tertiary uh, effect. Now I'm living in a, in a neighborhood and I potentially might become a seller do you think that sellers are interviewing you based on what you're doing and what they're they're looking at? Like I just had a home in my neighborhood just go on, on the market and I did go look at it. And my brain, because I'm not looking to sell anytime soon, my brain's looking at it saying, oh, oh, how good of a real estate are, are they? Right. So you're getting kind of interviewed online based on what you're doing. Would you guys agree with that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've had people, I've had sellers reach out because they went through one of my open houses mm-hmm. and they liked, um, I wasn't at the open house. So it wasn't even how I showed up. It was how the home was presented. Yep. Right. Your name's on that sign. Right. Right. Yeah. And we do listing letters too, not on every listing and it depends on the area, but it's kind of, it's not necessarily eight and eight, but you know, it's there's a level of communication with potential people in that neighborhood that is um, during the closing process, giving away not full information, but some information and then post-closing. Um, and I've had good feedback on those. You know, so you'll get people go, hey, I don't want to do anything. It's great. Like, no problem. But most people, I'm, I continue to be surprised how many people reach out via email after that and go, thanks, this was really in, actually inf- in, interesting information. Some people don't look up everything as much as we think they do. Right. And um, I, it was, it's been an interesting tool to use. Um, yeah. I mean, I will tell you, I mean, I walk past signs in my, my neighborhood all the time. If I'm not interested, I'm not looking, I'm not scanning QR codes. But if somebody sent me something that said, hey, by the way, that one house was two blocks away, you know, uh, it, it sold in this amount of time and here's how it impacts the value of your home or whatever it happens to be in the letter, I'm going to read it and it's going to it's going to have an impression on me. Uh, and it may trigger me down the road to either recommend. That's the other thing I think, too, is that, you know, there may be people in the neighborhood that aren't thinking about selling, but they're all they know people that might be thinking about selling around them. And they may say your name. They may say, well, you know what? I got to tell you that you should see how this one age now David did in our neighborhood or Tracy did in our neighborhood you should reach out to them. They did a great job if you don't have an agent. I think we forget about that because we have a lot of agents that are singly focused on the transaction at hand. Let's get it sold. Let's get it under contract. Let's get paid. Yeah. Right. One thing I haven't meant, I just really fast, but make sure that in any market going up or down, or if it's the same, maybe not as much, but this prep takes time and the value couldn't change during this amount of time that we're taking to prep. So um, 
there there's detailed searches and data starting to go on as soon somebody starts saying hey i want to think about listing i don't even care when i just want to learn to track that market and then really the 30 days prior when a lot of this stuff gets done because that's about how long it takes um you want to know every sale around right. there because and then really what's pending because that's all that really matters right going into these things and and that's vital right now so you you have to focus on oh by the way what is what are we listing this for <laughs> you know yeah well and i heard the other day i think doug simcock said this he said we call it a competitive market analysis now not a comparative because the game changes and the game can change in 30 days the game can change in 15 days and we have to make sure we're competitive yeah right and if that means we have to do a, a change in the price or we have to do something differently we have to be prepared to shift and setting that expectation right up front. Hey, it's going to take this amount of time to do all this stuff. We're going to have to reevaluate before we go on to make sure we're still competitive. Yep. Right. And lately I've actually been, you know, we're kind of the pricing so different than it was a couple of months ago, but late now there's been a couple last couple. I'm like, you're actually higher than in my gut. What I thought this would be, you're actually coming in higher than that. The pending sales are, they're pretty good, you know, and it just, it's pocketed. So you have to know those those numbers yep. and be aware of the areas um any any last ideas any things that come to mind that we didn't talk about i mean this is all about listing prep and the reason for it uh and you know obviously it's for the value anything else that uh comes to mind before we wrap up i mean i guess the last thing is just um really considering how how you can influence your sellers to spend money that they're not wanting to spend um, and, uh, I just had a situation this last week with a home that my buyers are, um, pending on and appraisal came in low. And I'm convinced that the reason appraisal came in low is because the condition of the carpet was just trashed. Um, it was, it's 20 year old carpet. It's not like gross. It's not like pet damage or anything like that. It's just every single threshold where the carpet was bound together has come apart. Um, you know, every door jam and it's just worn there's, right. you know, massive wear pattern and stuff like that. And, um, if, if, if you don't understand how appraisals work, uh, knowing Getting to know how appraisers do their job during a market like this is going to be really valuable to you and, and your clients too. Um, there's three or there's four tiers for condition um, when an appraiser is determining value. And the, the top tier is a brand new home. That's the only type of home that it can be compared to as a brand new home. And so you have to be brand new to get to that category. The next one down is a really well cared for used home. Mm -hmm. It has been updated to a new home. Like it has modern finishes. And then the next one down is when condition starts to come into play. And had this seller updated the carpet, they probably could have been in the tier two um, as far as condition for figuring out value for this appraiser. And it was off by $14,000. It wasn't a lot, but I'm pretty sure that that's, that's why it was literally the condition of the carpet didn't allow for the appraiser to use the comparables that 
the listing agent used to price the property. Right, exactly. And it's a lesson learned, right? Yeah. Well, and to that to that point, and David, I know you you know of this, and, and Tracy, you haven't used it yet either. But you know, uh, when you have those sellers that don't want to come out of pocket with that, there's programs that can help them to spend some money to get their home to that higher level of condition, and then pay it off when it closes. Uh, the Windermere Ready program does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that program is phenomenal, and I I thank all the people that figured out a way to make that work because it's it's hugely beneficial to uh, to a lot of people and you know they pull the money out of closing so it's kind of a no-brainer especially I look at it for different tiers of people I think if you're doing we're gonna gut our kitchen like well why would you why would you spend money if you can spend someone else's money <laughs> yeah right exactly you know right. if you're doing carpet and paint may not need it but if you if you do, then it's available, and it's a very simple process to go through. Yeah, and I think they'll loan up to a hundred thousand uh, yeah. dollars. you know, so that, I mean that that's a good chunk of money to do some pretty cool things to help that house net more. So um, I think that's a great thing. Um, so here's I would ask this: if if uh, if our if our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you if they had more questions about what you're doing or how you're doing it? Um, you can call me. Okay. Or you can text me or you can find me on all of the social media platforms. Um, my phone number is 360-201-6433. And my Instagram handle is Tracy, T-R-A-C-I-E, Gillette, like the razor, G-U-L-I-T, Holmes. And yeah, I'm Gillette Holmes. And David? Uh, I'm 425-890-3318. And then everything is David Hogan Homes. So that's Instagram, Facebook, uh, my website, and then David Hogan at Windermere, if anybody needs anything. These are phenomenal podcasts that I listen to. So I've gotten a lot out of these personally. So I'm happy to return the favor. <laughs> no, I'm so glad. Well, and I have to say, because I didn't say it at the beginning, but David, you were our first interview on our first Windermere podcast, coaching podcast. You were the first one. I do remember that. Actually. Remember that? that was a while ago. You were our very first, uh, our very first guest. And I think you joked around about it. you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the first one. And so you you helped us. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and Tracy's been on it a few times as well. So I want to thank both of you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. I know you guys are busy, got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I want to thank our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please let us know. Uh, pass us along. Share our podcast. Give us a rating. And then please reach out to, to David and Tracy. They're go-givers. They're happy to help. And I think that, you know, when we have high success like the two of you, it helps <clears throat> raise the level of professionalism in our industry. And I think that's very, very important because uh, we want to make sure our clients are getting the best service they possibly can get. So thank you. Well, thank you for doing You're these. Welcome. Thanks for having us. See you. Absolutely. And we always end these podcasts like we do everything else. We always say, hey, everybody, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day. Make it a great day. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.